Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our show about the things we love and the things we hate and the things we love to hate. Somehow that intro caught me by surprise, despite me knowing exactly what we were here to do. <laughs> it's like, not only not only did we know exactly what we're here to do, but we're going to like double down on it. I know. <laughs> we just had like a whole conversation about it. Yeah. But you know, it's sneaky. Did. It sneaks up on you. It does. <laughs> um, we're back again. We didn't take three months between this episode and the last one. No. Nope. Presumably. <laughs> we'll see. Still to be determined. TBD. But we're here to talk about one of our favorite topics, and not just because it brings a lot of people to our feed. (laughs) (laughs) Not just because it games the algorithm. Truly, if there was anything that we love to hate, this might be, like, the Mm. top of that list. I have such complicated feelings about this. This topic? This topic. Which is why we're doing it this way. Yes, that's true. That's true. You want to tell the good people what we're here to talk about today? We're here to talk about Outlander Season 6. Yes, Season 6. Season 6? Okay. I keep getting that wrong, too. There's been so many seasons of, like, I don't know, fucking around in the woods that I'm like, I could be 8, could be 4, who knows. That's how I feel about the books, too, from, like, the end of book 4 until... Until the beginning of whatever book just came out. I have no, like, (laughs) I know what happened in the book that just came out because I read that one separate from all the other books, but I read all the other Mm -hmm. books in, like, one go. And when they start fucking around in the woods, that's where they lose me. All the timelines are interchangeable. (laughs) So we're going to take a different approach, I think, to what we've done in past seasons because, frankly, we can't remember and we didn't care to... (laughs) listen to ourselves yeah from like two plus years ago yeah but um we thought the easiest way to approach this season is to talk about the things we loved and the things we hate and the things we love to hate yes yep (laughs) that is what you come to the show for and so that is what we will deliver innovative innovative content Um, but I think we should vibe check. Okay. You go first. Um, vibe check is season two. Ooh. Which is strong. Yeah. I'm feeling good. I had a great time. I have some quibbles. But ultimately, it slept. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's so hesitantly. So hesitantly. <laughs> but but like the correct amount, I would yeah. say, like it did. Yeah. And 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 um I would say my vibe check is about three fourths of the way to season one. What does that mean? Three quarters of the way through the season? No, or? like three quarters of the way back to like what I loved about season one. It's like... Okay, okay, okay. It felt like they were trying to recapture the magic of season one, which can't be done. Mm 
for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But it felt like they were, like, trying to, like, I don't know, learn from season one in some way or, like, try to get back to what they used to be able to accomplish on the show. Hence season two. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. I think see, that's, like, a much more accurate representation. Yeah. I think we're we're on the same page. I think so. Which is to say that this whole fucking season, even when I was mad at it, I was happy to be here. Which you've said before, but I think you mean it more now. I absolutely mean it more this time. I mean, this is why I have such complicated feelings about Outlanders. Even when I'm not having all that much fun with it, I'm, like, still happy to be here, right? Like, Outlander is something that I can still engage with, even when I'm mad at it. Whereas, like, I've been on the brink of mutiny a couple times. (laughs) Yeah. Which, like, I've I've been close, but I can at least, like, kind of get in the sandbox and, like get rough with it once in a while. Yeah. But this was like, for all of my quibbles and for the things that I wish they had done differently, I at least like felt like I was engaging with it on its level. Yeah. I feel like we're talking in like (laughs) delicately. I know we're being so vague. (laughs) So let's just do it. Okay. Spoilers for the whole season, in case that wasn't obvious. I mean, obviously. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Get out of here. If I just listening to this, and you haven't. Watched yeah, if it. you haven't watched the season, then fuck off. <laughs> I mean, don't, but don't come in our mentions either. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in our mentions. <laughs> I was. I don't know what made me think. We haven't of that. had a review for a year and a half. That's not true. We have another one star review. Oh, Christ. All right, anyway. They followed directions, though. No notes. Um, All right. Well, okay, we're going to start. I'm, like, hesitant to start with things we love, but I guess that's where we start, right? Yeah, we go in order. Tell me something you love. Okay. Well, and why? (laughs) (laughs) In four sentences or less. Um, So the thing that I loved... Maybe the most this season, I I don't know about the most, close to the most, is Fergus. Yeah. I have been, (laughs) I like, I have been waiting for Fergus to get screen time forever. It's all I've ever wanted. And I actually really like this section of the books. Like, I think there's some, like, good Fergus stuff in the books, and even, I even wish the books had gotten into it more. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, Fergus and Marsley are, to me, what I think Dinah Gabaldon wanted Brianna and Roger to be. Sure. And so I would prefer it if we could just spend that time on Fergus and Marsley. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was really delighted with what we got, and I, the... The Fergus step is kind of fraught for a lot of reasons, and I think the show actually did a really good job, and I was happy to see some of the best acting of the season come out of that bit. Same. I felt like I'd been clamoring for that storyline yes. for so long, and I felt so frustrated with the way that the narrative was pushing this, like... Brianna is our only child, and we never got to raise a child of our own, and blah, 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 blah. 
And Fergus is just like hanging in the corner with his little one hand raised, like, hi. <laughs> hi, I'm here. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah, we literally haven't gotten any recognition of Fergus being a Fraser since there since mm-hmm. he married Marsley. And I do feel like they play they use him for like cheap cheap wins yeah. in the in the emotional department, but like I want more of that. Yeah. And more of him. And I was thankful to get any at all at this point. <laughs> yes. That's how I feel, too. I Like, I will take what I can get. And I wish that they didn't, like, if Fergus and Marsley have to leave the Ridge because of narrative reasons that mm-hmm. I think, like, we can all agree it was going to have to happen. But I do wish that they had given, like, a full episode before they kick fergus off the ridge instead of it just being like the very next episode sam sent or sam (laughs) jamie sends him on his like (laughs) you're part of the problem (laughs) (laughs) jamie sends him on his mental health adventure and Mm -hmm. you know like i wish that they they'd given that like a little bit more space to breathe because i i think you're right like they pull it out when they need the emotional impact and then they sort of tuck him away again for next time yeah I do wish that it wasn't, like, kind of packaged in with, like, we're now parents to everyone mm. who's a young 20-something. Yeah. <laughs> like, they they kind of made it like that's the brand now, and it was like, can't Fergus just be special? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I, I agree with you, because there, like, there's so much thematically in this story about, like, chosen family and found family. Mm-hmm. And they, like, they both don't give it enough credit and spend a tremendous amount of energy on it. Yeah. And, like, I think sometimes they can, like, make it kind of cheap and wishy-washy when, like, Fergus is right there the whole time. Yeah. Well, they make it, like, generic in right. some ways, I think, by, like, treating everyone the same. Well, and it's, like, fine if, if you know, the Frasers want to adopt everybody. Like, great. <laughs> That's wonderful. But, like, you still have a different connection to each of those people. And, like, you can still honor that while, like, being a caregiver to everybody. Right. That's what I Like, don't tell me you're as bonded with Roger. Exactly. See, this is... This is our things I hate. So I'm jumping the gun. But I'm (laughs) just going to say that this is why Marsley and Fergus are to me what I think the story wants Brianna and Mm -hmm. Roger to be, because Mm -hmm. you cannot Mm -hmm. tell me exactly Mm -hmm. as you were saying that there is anything with Roger that is the same. Yeah. And you can't manufacture that. Nope. (laughs) That's all I'll say about that for now. But yeah, we love Fergus. We love Fergus. And we love Marsley. I love Marsley so much. We do. We do. Sorry, I'm probably scooping shit. Anyway, your turn. Scoop shit all you want. My things I love list is overwhelmingly long and I'm stressed. Okay. (laughs) Strap in, (laughs) folks. It's going to be a marathon. I'm stressed. Okay, here's a short, short one, though. Fucking mark me. Mark me! (laughs) I screamed. I screamed. I knew it was coming. I had it spoiled, and I screamed. I mean, I knew what they were doing the second they did it, but, like, I hate... Things I hate flashback, but I don't care. That one was (laughs) worth it. so good. They can feel free to bring back Bonnie Prince Charlie anytime they want. Anytime. (laughs) 
thrilled for him to be there. Just delightful. Like, someone paid money for that, and I'm so happy. Yes. I want to know who pitched that, and I want to, like, (laughs) shake their hand. I want to give them, like, a medal of honor. (laughs) Tell me what, tell me something else you loved. Okay. Um, something else I loved, well, from that same episode, I just loved the little bit where Claire gets Jocasta and Flora McDonald high. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was a nice bit of female bonding. It was very fun. Although, that was not one of my favorite episodes. No. But yeah, those little bits really, like, carried us a long way. I mean, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a thing that people talk about, right? That, like, what makes Outlander so special is all the little bits that add color and life to mm-hmm. the narrative. And the show has not let Outlander have much fun. And, the, yeah. and like, this season, I feel like they re-embraced little bits of fun. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those moments. That's true. For Just let Jocasta get high for no reason. Why not? Why not? We've got 90 minutes of television to burn. <laughs> Let's just do it. (laughs) Just gonna shelve that one. (laughs) All right, your turn. Um, Well, on that note of us having fun, the thruple. (laughs) Just what a delight. I, you have no idea, Kelsey, how hard this has been for me for years. I have known about the thruple for years and all i have wanted i have been so worried multiple times that the show wouldn't make it this long just because i wanted you to experience the thruple it was so funny and they let us have more jokes about it for like episodes and episodes and like lizzie's just so happy living her thruple life When they started foreshadowing it and her hair is just, like, down and she is just uh glowing, I was like, yeah. (laughs) Like, we're going on a parent trap metaphor here with the, like, we're shooting the same person twice, we're just going all in. (laughs) The thruple is, like, when they go to the isolation cabin and have a really good time. Yeah. And they didn't do it too much. No. They did it just the right amount, which is a hard line line to walk. Is that that's not the right phrase? Needle to thread. Yeah, there we go. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to like kink shame mm-hmm. and over sensationalize it, but it's pretty sensational. Well, you also don't want to make it like too jokey, right? Like. They did the right amount of fun, is what I'm saying. I love the acting in the scene where Lizzie is telling Claire everything Claire never wanted to know. (laughs) They're the same everywhere. (laughs) I also loved the entire Jamie reaction of being like, no one has time for this shit. I don't care which one you marry, just marry one, get out. (laughs) Do you not see that there is shit happening? 
<laughs> Are you kidding me? And then the whole rest of the season, he's just like, I don't know, one of them. <laughs> I love the scene, too, when Roger is like, I just did my first wedding. And Jamie's like, the fuck you did? What? <laughs> Truly, as they like it. Honorable mention in my loves is Sam Hewen's comedic <laughs> acting in this season because he went there and it was really good. This might have been his best season. I agree. This was like a uh, very good time for Sam. I I mostly agree. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody made it through the season unscathed from criticism, we'll say. Well, I was actually going to say that I think his best acting was that episode in season five. Which one? The the battle with the redcoats. Oh, that is a very good Sam episode. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a good episode. It's not a perfect episode. Yep. But it's a good episode for him. But, like, I did say season. Like, this is, like, his sure. best yeah, 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 season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Season five was, like, <laughs> I agree. a part of his, like, growth as an actor, but I don't think it was, like, his best overall. That's a whole separate line of I know. Here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your turn. Um, okay, so the next thing that I loved, what, which this is like pretty in the weeds, but Chief Bird and the guns and the payoff in the final episode. Yeah. They, they did that storytelling, baby. Mm-hmm. And it was good. Yeah. I did, I felt like this season, it was very clear, like, all the actions that they were taking were purposeful. It was like you're moving pieces yes. on the map, and you're like, okay, Fergus and Marsley have to leave. Clearly they're leaving for a reason that I can see in the future. Like, clearly this whole thing with the Cherokee mm -hmm. and the guns is a thing that's happening for a reason. And it was, like, sometimes in this show you get these, like plots that kind of go nowhere mm -hmm. or <laughs> just a lot of like stuff happening that's like I don't, I don't care but you could tell that everything was like very purpose driven and I think that's like the product of the shorter timeline and the condensed season but I think it actually worked mm -hmm. for them <laughs> yeah like, I think parameters are helpful <laughs> they are weirdly I think they were very purposeful in like I, like, they struck the balance, right, of being able to pull out the things that would give them both room to play and also an end point. Yeah. Which is what they don't always do well. Right. And what Diana Gabaldon doesn't do well. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, this is a whole, a whole other can of worms, but there is literally an entire section of, is it book nine, whatever book came out, where I'm like, who was that for? What did we just do with that? And it involved, like, six characters and, like, 70 pages. Jesus. Yeah. I would guess that she has at least a thousand pages just on her describing, like, forests. Yes. <laughs> it's like, dear, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, occasionally that has narrative purpose, but frequently it's like, I yeah. get it. The trees all smell like resin. What else you got? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that storyline was great. Mm -hmm. That payoff was just I just, excellent. I love that moment 
at the end of the episode of the final episode when Ian and Chief Bird and mm-hmm. the crew just all roll up on that beach. It had huge like when he comes in through the window yes, of the prison in season exactly. one. Exactly. Huge. Huge. And it's like it's yeah. that same feeling where even though like there's still very real danger and like nothing has resolved, you still feel like there's this major triumph and like the tides have turned and that like some exciting misadventure is about to happen. Totally. It's it's awesome. That's the shit I live for. It's so good. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna throw a controversial love out here. Okay. And that is the intro song this season. Yeah. Which I'm gonna go ahead and say is my favorite one of all time. Mm, strong words, Kelsey. Sorry. <laughs> That's a strong opinion. I really, really like it, and I usually hate the intro songs. <laughs> That's my love to hate. Mm. Love to hate that intro. I love that intro, and I loved it for the Mark Me intro i liked the mark me one they did an art on that one but the like standard season one i love it i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna bucket into that for the sake of time um cinematography art yes to do this season and a lot of them are in the intro so i think that's fair that's true part of like why i liked watching the intro this year was like some of the shots they got um, with, like, Claire coming around the corner with the gun and Jamie coming, riding the horse and, like, the mm-hmm. lights coming through. Like, it was... They're they're trying to make an art in season six, which, like, no one needs to do, but they're doing it. <laughs> I think that's part of why it, like, gives me throwback to season one feels. Because there was, like, so much more emphasis on the actual, like, craft of the show mm-hmm. than I yeah. feel like we've had in a little while. In a long while. Yeah. It's, like, season one was, uh, like, there was all this, like, color work and, like, so much emphasis on cinematography and just, like, making it a beautiful show to watch. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything they did inside the big house was, like, very reminiscent of what they used to do to stage Lollybrock. Like, just trying to give it, like, a thousand times more ambiance than anyone asked for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being just, like, straight out of Pottery Barn. I truly do want the Benjamin Moore collection of that house. <laughs> yes. <because laughs> yes. That, like, peacock blue... Yes. I, I wish that they had lit the inside of the house, like, just slightly better, because that super dark peacock blue in all of those shots, come like, reads very dark on the camera, and I would have liked just, like, a hint more light in there. <laughs> just so I could, like, really revel in it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, what a complaint. <laughs> Like the, I feel like that. There's that shot when Claire is sick of Jamie looking up the spiral stairs before he mm-hmm. climbs up, where mm-hmm. that room is finally like decently well lit, mm. and you can like really appreciate like the depth of like the wood tones and the green walls. And I just want yeah. that for like every shot of the house. I mean, I'm sure there's a Matt Thuby Roberts hosted <laughs> behind the scenes tour you can watch. No, <laughs> he decided not. That? He doesn't do behind the scenes anymore. 
No, but I thought he had a couple on Instagram or something. Oh, maybe. I was getting hit with some stuff in my feed when the season started. Yeah. Very early in the season, he handed all, like, fan relations over to Meryl and was just like, bye. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Talk about a love. Mm -hmm. Get out. (laughs) Goodbye, sir. Take take a knee. (laughs) (laughs) God. It's your turn. Oh, it's my turn? It's your turn. I bucketed two into one. I okay. Um, I might be at the end of my love list, but one one thing I want to say that I don't know how to totally frame it just quickly is that I just love Ian. I'm going to talk more mm. about my feelings about the Ian stuff in later yeah. buckets, but I yeah. just, I love Ian and I'm happy he's here. I am happy he's here as well. I wish he was better utilized, yep. but <laughs> yep. here, here we are. <laughs> Um, all right. Does that mean I just have to power hour the rest? Yeah. Hit me with everything else you've got. (laughs) Okay. These are all like low key in related buckets, I suppose. (sighs) Where do, all right. Narratively. I loved the way they did in episode six, the Malva reveal, which I knew was coming. Um, and the way that you, that I, as someone who, like, I knew where the story was going because I know how story works. Yeah. <laughs> but they put you, as someone who hadn't read the books at least, like, on Claire's emotional journey of you know in your heart it's not true. And you still have that moment of, like, you just say it's not true. Like, yeah. <laughs> just... Just say it anyway. Just confirm. That whole scene in the stable is so good. Um, And I felt like I was, like, in her head because she knows what we know because the show has been so good at telling you that (laughs) for years and years and years. That you, like, trust that Jamie's not a total psychopath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. And you trust that Malva's lying, and you know that's true, and you're still like, but but maybe? Because we saw the hallucination, too? I just thought they handled that well. Mm-hmm. And, like, much better than they certainly could have. <laughs> I have had so much fear about the storyline. This was another one I've been trying to protect you from for years, because yeah. I loved the way it was played in the books, which it was done in the books totally differently than in the show. Mm -hmm. And I loved it so much. And I was like, there is nothing but room for failure in the Mm -hmm. adaptation here. So Mm -hmm. I was nervous as hell. Yeah. What, because it was so different in the show, I wish I could have experienced it as like a show watcher only just because it was so different. What did you know or think about Malva until the end? Like, what was the evolution of your, like, sense of her and her deal over the course of the season? Oh, goodness. There's a lot there. So I knew going into it because I'd seen a one rogue spoiler (laughs) that there was something about a Malva pregnancy that Jamie was involved with in some way. Yeah. I thought, initially, my theory was, like, that, and I I don't know that we'll find this out. I'm sure we'll find out something at some point. But, um... I thought that it was going to be that Ian had gotten her pregnant and then Jamie was going to try and, like, 
be noble about it and try and like protect him for, not be no, but you know what I mean like protect Ian sure. somehow by like saying whatever I'll claim it just to protect him and that was going to be the scandal and then by the time we got to this point I was like this, this is not happening this is not how this is going to go obviously but that was my initial like because they did the whole Ardsmere thing and I'm like it's going to be the same shit all over again mm-hmm but anyway, my feeling was that it was it was an incest child <laughs> by the end. Um, I'm sure I'll be proven right or wrong at some point. But I think she was fascinatingly complicated and manipulative. Um, I think she was more, like, manipulative and, than anything else. Like, <laughs> I don't know that she had, like, this good heart, but... <laughs> Um, it was fascinating. I think that actress did such a good job too. She was so, so fun to watch. Good. So fun to watch. So good. I'm like so disappointed that that character is not going to be in the show anymore. Presumably, because I just want to watch her play this character forever. Yeah, it was She's wild. So good. Like, like better than anyone has any business being. Truly. Absolutely. Her realization <laughs> of the character is better than the original writing of the character. Hmm. She had, like, a great, like, her eyes could just, like, change a little bit. It was really cool. That was the first thing I actually thought when they released the cast photo. Yeah. Was I was like, she has the eyes for this character. Mm. Like, she's a little doe-eyed, a little, like, fresh-faced and innocent. But there's something going on there. There's crazy eyes. There's crazy eyes. Innocent, dewy, doughy, little crazy eyes. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. That whole thing was wild. And I loved it. It was fun. So much. (laughs) So much. (laughs) So much of Outlander is so patently batshit. And I don't always need it. But occasionally you get stuff like the Malva shit. And I do need that. It felt like Jane the Virgin shit. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'm in. Yes! Absolutely it is. Okay. Shall I move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone listening who's already at 36 minutes in and we're no, still we're on our living. <laughs> we are living and everyone's living with us. <laughs> um, I think I have on here what I will call Sam and Katrina safe outlander trademark, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what we established last season. And I feel like that was true yep. to some degree. They were way more engaged. <laughs> It felt like the production was better in almost every way, which it can't be 100% an accident. I'm sure there were other players involved, but like <laughs> I'm still putting it under this umbrella. And we know that they brought in the um, fucking intimacy coordinator, mm-hmm. and the strong sexual content was great, mostly. <laughs> yeah. It was better than it had been. It was much better than it has been. And I'm mostly just glad for them to, like, keep demanding what they feel like they deserve. Yes. And I can't believe they didn't have anyone for f- years. I'm like... That seems like a an HR problem. <laughs> right? So this is the journey that I've been on after watching the, like, strong sexual content this season, knowing that there was an intimacy coordinator now and that there hasn't been previously, and then seeing some of the, like... I think, like, not malicious, but coded things that some of the actors have said. 
yeah, about yeah. working under an intimacy coordinator versus what they've done in previous seasons. Yeah. Where I'm like, not, I don't want to say I'm like uncomfortable watching the previous stuff because it, it like no one's making allegations, but I'm just like, what could have been? You know? Yeah. Like, what what did we miss out on artistically because things were not being done the way they could have been done? Hard, hard agree. <laughs> the, the, like, sex has always been such an important part of the art of the story. And it's, in the past, been considered to have been done well. So, mm-hmm. like, it could have been elevated to, like, a level that none of us can even imagine now. And, like, what did we miss out on by not having that? Well, and also, I just feel like that's so wrong for people to not have... right. Any protections. Like, Like, none at all. And to have to, like, (laughs) navigate that with your production crew with, like, no Mm -hmm. intermediary. Yeah. Like, yeah. And here's good guy Sam Hewen out there hiring someone for this job. And, like, I also appreciate their continued, like, public, like, partnership of, like, being on the same page, going into everything as as a team, because I think it's a much stronger push for... Like, production, it's harder to say no to both people. Yep. I think that's going to push where this show goes one way or another. Yep. And I don't feel bad about whatever way it goes, because I feel like that's how it should be. Yep. <laughs> and it seems like that's genuine across the whole cast. Like, it seems like everybody, like, trusts Sam and Kat's leadership mm-hmm. as cast mm-hmm. members. Yeah. It's too bad in some ways that it's coming so late in the show's run when Sam and Kat both have, like, other careers that they're starting to Mm -hmm. lean towards. Because I think the show could have had, like, a very different trajectory if, like, they had this much power earlier in the show's run. Although they've said the whole time that they went in and demanded equal pay. Yeah. Yeah. There's been little things the whole time. And I feel like the... PR push has been a joint effort. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> in a huge way. That's um, what I've like really loved watching from the sidelines is that yeah. is the way that they both are like planting stuff in the press to try to like push the things against production without being like catty and obvious about it. Yeah, there's a reason why every single publicity hit that he did was him talking about hiring an intimacy coordinator coordinator and there's a reason why it wasn't her because yep. if her if she said she did it there's a very different conversation for a lot of reasons yes yep <laughs> so i think they're smart and i'm happy they're here yes absolutely all right i have one more thing and it's the entire fucking finale <laughs> it was so good <laughs> It was so good, and people weren't happy. I don't care. I had a great time. Especially the um, standoff in the house. Yes. Especially just the, like, it was old school Claire and Jamie against the world, season one, season two shit. Yep. We still had fun. They let them joke. It was great. Like everyone's been screaming for so long, like, let Outlander be funny. Like, they let them be funny. They let them have this sort of, like, natural, easy chemistry, even when, like, they're up against it, which is when the two of them are at their best as a couple. Mm Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was was awesome. And not to only talk about them, 
I was so fascinated by fucking Tom Christie. Yes. I want to know where you're at with Tom Christie. Tom, I'm I'm 100% in. Tell me, like, tell me, just tell me everything about what you know, what you think, what you feel, where you're at. Give me the whole story. I was deeply eye-rolling at him for, like, at least half the season Mm -hmm. because I, frankly, like, was not interested in, like, a fundamentalist narrative. We have enough of that in in our lives right now. (laughs) And... (laughs) And I was like, I didn't care about the, like, pitting him against Jamie as a, like, competitor angle they were trying to do for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I didn't care about their rivalry. And the turn he takes in the last two, two episodes in particular, like, following Malva's being killed, is absolutely fascinating. Obviously, he knows things that he's not sharing, or he suspects things that he's not sharing, but it's like he's he's trying to emulate Jamie, I think, and he's trying to, like, put his own feelings of right and wrong kind of, like, to the side because he's now seeing that there's, like, more to things than what <laughs> what he may have thought at first, and I thought it was, like a fascinating show of loyalty to be like, yeah, right. Like I'm going to deal with this. I guess this is my problem now. And he doesn't even want to be there, but he's like, he sure does. He's there. (laughs) Him riding on that horse being like, (laughs) like I've been there. (laughs) Everyone's been there. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I'm like very fascinated by him at this point, and I'm really curious to see where it goes. Like, did I ever need him? No. But at this point, it's it's really interesting, and I think he's a really good actor. Such a good actor. I honestly could not have pictured how anyone could really like realize Tom Christie. Yeah. Into a, a portrayable character, and he's like, he is so incredible. He really is, Tom. Yeah, it's so complex. I think I was like also annoyed with people from the get go being like, he's so complex and mysterious. And I'm like, he's just a fundamentalist, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and like, maybe he still is, but. Yeah. I'm curious about his reaction to his child being killed and then his adversaries being framed where he's like, no, actually, I need to deal with this <laughs> and like me and protect you. And it's like, OK, there. Yeah, there's a, a whole ass entire human journey going on Yeah, inside of there. I think that you saying like, did you need it? No. But like, are we here now? Yes. Is like... <laughs> So thoroughly sums up all of my complex feelings about my journey with Outlander because it's like, it to me, it's like throwing narrative spaghetti at the wall where it's like we're going to spend tens of thousands of hours on random narrative and some yep. of it you won't need, but some of it you're going to need. Yeah. And we're just going to see, see which way the wind blows, I guess. I'm still going to stand by I didn't need the Beardsley House of Horrors. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that but was without the no Beardsley one. House of Horrors, there is no thruple. You can find some mysterious twins some other way. <laughs> I'm just, you can. We didn't need that journey, but anyway. But I'm st- but like the journey still ended in thruple. So like, can we be mad? <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> Fuck me. You don't get to choose your path in life. Well, well, well. Um, that's all my loves, I guess. For now, I might think of more. Great. It really was a great season. I'm actually, I'm really glad we started with loves because, like, it's so easy for me to complain about this story, and sometimes I just like need to revel in why it's so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Things we hate. Things we hate. Your turn. Things we hate. I think I'm going to speak for both of us on this one. I hate the Ard's Mirror stuff. Ugh, yes. I just, holy shit. I didn't need a flashback to Ard's Mirror. Like, the way that Tom Christie and Ard's Mirror times are introduced in the book is through, like, three lines of passing dialogue across, like, ten chapters, where various yeah. people are going up to Claire being like, they knew each other at Ard's Mirror. They had a weird relationship in Ard's Mirror. And then you mm-hmm. figure out over time that they have a rivalry. Right. It's so easy to do by dialogue. I didn't need to yeah. spend 20 minutes before the cold open watching people throw rocks at each other in a fucking peat bog nope. in Scotland. I didn't need it. I don't need to nope. go back to that place. Also, who the fuck is allowing 20 minutes of television before the theme song by the time you get 20 minutes in you're not allowed to roll the credits anymore you've missed your window like bold to market this as a feature length premiere when it's actually just a disney short plus plus an episode literally literally there's even like i i can't remember exactly how he said it but one of the few matthew b roberts podcasts he did this season before he like gave up don't get me started he basically like said as much like he basically was like well we made all the episodes longer so we needed to add 20 minutes of content and i was like what if we did arts mirror fuck off yeah i had so much more shit you could have been doing yeah they could have been playing that game with moving the pies on the table, and yes. I would have been happier with that. <laughs> Literally, they had just done, like, 45 minutes of nothing but Mrs. Bug being the yep. house mom. Yep. Thrilled. Delighted. Yep. Didn't need Art's mirror. We, like, we get it. Jamie is a leader of men. A lot of other men are jealous of it. It creates problems in Jamie's life that he's such a natural leader and other men feel inadequate. Oops, here's this other man. <laughs> cool also there's religious differences in the United also Kingdom. did you know <laughs> did you know that catholics and protestants have a weird history <laughs> <laughs> have we ever discussed that before might i direct you to dairy girls a show on which jessica reynolds is also now a part for one <laughs> special episode God. it's a much better use of your time if we're going to talk about protestants and catholics <laughs> real i just did not like who was it for 
it just it, it was didn't, a really rocky start for me. It was a rock like that is a tough way to start the season. And after being away from the show for two years, mm-hmm. I had been away from Outlander for so long. I don't want to go back to Artsmere. I want to go to the fucking ridge. I want to go look at some beautiful fucking windows. I want to go look <laughs> at some <laughs> at some cabin board. I just want to see the ridge. Yeah. No one's looking to go back to that wig. Give me cows. Give me spinning wheels. Give me candle making. Mm-hmm. Buffalo attacks. Whatever. Buffalo! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just like didn't I didn't need Ardsmere. Hmm. I think my biggest hate this season is this like continued insistence on dialogue-based fan service. Yeah. And I I noticed it most in episode six, which is the, like, plague episode. <laughs> and th- they did this a few times earlier in the season, too, but in that episode, they Jamie and Claire have this, like, conversation about, like, remember that time we went on the <laughs> rent journey in the episode titled Rent in season one? <laughs> They're like... <laughs> They do this, like, reminiscing conversation, which is fine. But my issue is, like, if you're going to do, like, a cute relationship conversation reminiscing about fun times, like, talk about things we haven't seen. Like, we've lived a life outside of the things that we've watched, presumably. So, like, talk about other stuff. Like, I don't need to be, like, given a handshake because I remember something from season one. Like... Cool. It makes it seem so, like, insular to the show rather than, like, a fuller life because it's, like, it feels coincident, not coincidental, I guess, that they're, like, only picking things that we've seen over this 20, 30-year journey or whatever. It's, like, who is it for? It's not for me. Yep. I agree with that. I've seen some comments of, like, I love that because I love being rewarded for knowing every minute of this show. And I'm, like, no. Except that they, like... Except no. And also, it's not like they were choosing the most obscure of those memories. As you said, it was literally like, remember the plot of an entire episode? Right. Remember this big action that obviously we would both remember because it was like a major moment in our lives? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I was listening to one of the Outlander podcasts recently um, and it was it was Tony Graffia talking about this episode, and she admitted that she does that when she has writer's block, yep. and she's like, I don't know, I just mentioned something from another episode. I'm like, who is this for? I do think one thing that's really funny is, like, you can tell when something was written by Tony, because I've been saying Meryl this whole time, and I meant to be saying Tony, but you can tell when something's been written by Tony because it's pure, just like book fan service like yeah. anything she does that's like super true to the book or super callbacky or just like feels like a really literal interpretation of something yep, yep. is tony because tony is just like a book slut <laughs> <laughs> and then anything that's like really heavy-handed and ham-fisted mm-hmm. and experimental and feels like it's both too obvious and completely disconnected from all of reality is Matthew B. Roberts. <laughs> yep. 
What a fun journey for us all. You can just, like, watch the pendulum swing from episode to episode. (laughs) I was so thankful to have just, like, a lighter Matthew B. Roberts touch. Yes. Whatever they did to sort of scale back his influence was not wrong. No. I'm thrilled about it. Which, if I can interject briefly for one of my hates that I didn't write down but just came to me. I'm done. (laughs) Speaking of the Matthew B. Roberts touch, uh, a thing that I hate in my bones was that twice there was the line, it's coming, the storm, (laughs) the war. The storm, the war. The storm, the war. The storm, the war. (laughs) The storm, the war. One of the line reads, Kat read it, like, as fast as she could. (laughs) And it was the cut they used in the episode, but she was like, it's coming. The storm, the war. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't blame you. (laughs) I also would have skimmed past that one. (laughs) Yeah. Twice. Yeah. The storm, the war. The storm, the war. The storm, the war. <laughs> if I could choose a Halloween costume to be- wear in the drunk flag this year, it would be, it would have a cloud with a lightning bolt as my headpiece, and then I'd wear a red coat jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I would cry. I would, I would weep. <laughs> the storm, the war. The storm, the war. <laughs> oh my God, that's beautiful. All right, um, your turn. I have one more hate, uh, and that is something that I just felt did not deliver, and people were really into it, and I was I was just not. Uh, it was the big confrontation, confrontation, conversation that JV and Claire have in the penultimate episode about her like trauma and ether usage. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I co-sign this a thousand percent. And I think it was a writing issue for me, not an acting issue, but it was like, it just felt like a rehash of the same conversations that we've had before of like, blah, 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 trauma, blah, blah, blah. I came through the stones. Why am I here? Time travel, blah, 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 trauma. (laughs) Well, literally like 50% of it is exactly what she just said to Jamie in the stables. Like you referenced the stable scene. That was a decent delivery of her being like, if you cheated on me with Malva, then everything I've ever done is a lie, and mm-hmm. I've risked Brianna's life and everyone's life for no good reason, but everything is because we're supposed to love each other. And then she yeah. shows up an episode or two later and just, like, says the whole thing over again. It's like we... Yeah. I mean, in real life, human beings cycle through the same feelings multiple times. Mm-hmm. So it's... Whatever. But, like... In fiction, we've resolved that one. We did a narrative where we resolved that one where you and Jamie in a scene dealt with it. I want to do it again. No. And it wasn't really like a a solutions conversation. Not that it had to be, but it was just like a, like, I'm having a hard time. Here's all my fears that I've told you many times before. I think if. Like, if they wanted to get to Claire revealing her trauma and ether use to Jamie, like, fine. But I think they could have left out the stuff that they already talked about. Yeah. 
And I, I don't know if it's because they built up the ether use and, like, their whole, like, him being worried about her and not saying anything and, like, everyone watching out for her, like, as such a big mm-hmm. thing that it felt like it should have been bigger than it was, but it was just sort of, like, meh. Yeah. Okay. Like, they had, there were two much stronger episodes on either side of that one, so I feel like that was part of it, but right after that, people were like, oh, Emmy nominations, yeah. and I'm like, it wasn't as good as the one in the episode before. Like, it just did it didn't work for me. No. Um, unpopular opinion, the ghost stuff was not the worst for me, and I thought, specifically, when she was telling him not to go in the room, because she was seeing him in that room or whatever, I was like, that that was working for me at the time. So I think like that, I think it was used too much, but I yeah. think that particular moment was really well played. And then to have it just be like, meh, was like, meh, I was disappointed. Well, that I think that's my issue. So like two things there, the ghost thing didn't work for me at all. Yeah. And I'm surprised that you and I are on opposite ends of that one. Um, but I, I think for me, the issue is just that it was overused. There were like two times that they did it well and the rest of the times I didn't need, but mm-hmm. To your point, I think if they had kept that part of the trauma and, like, used that to ease into, like, Claire revealing the ether stuff to Jamie and, like, Jamie being able to deal with the fact that he's been worried about her, like, fine. Yeah. But they were, like, connecting two threads that didn't need to be connected in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're not related. It's just that that wasn't the time for them to be related. Agreed. We had already done it, and this was, like, a separate thing. Yeah. There's another part to that that I've now forgotten, of course. <laughs> I got wound up about ghost stuff. Forgot no, everything sorry. else. <laughs> I just really, I think he, they should have had him speak less. They just, like, gave the ghost too much time. That's fair. That's fair. Too much narrative. That's fair. I said this to you. And this is maybe a spoiler to everybody else, but that one episode <laughs> of Our Flag Means Death where they used this storytelling device was a better use of this device fair. Than, than Outlander, and very I stand fair. by it. Very fair. <laughs> all right, that's all my hates. Do you have any more hates? Um, I hadn't. That reminded me of another hate that I'm now not being able to bring to mind. So I'll switch to the last two things that I had written down. One of them I've already talked about, but I just have to say it out loud. I'm mad about how little Marsley and Fergus there was. Yeah. I just, yeah. we need more of them. We need more of them forever. Yep. Um, The last thing that I hated was the Ian stuff. Yeah, I did. I did hate that. <laughs> and this is sad because I love Ian. I have sort of mixed feelings about the book version of the Ian stuff. But I mm-hmm. just didn't like the show version of it. I think, like, some of it, I think, is similar to your feelings about Fergus and Jamie, where I think there's sometimes very little recognition that Ian is an accepted part of the family. Mm-hmm. And that, like, his time with the Mohawk, like, shifted that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But that, like, both Jamie and Ian are looking for that connection again. And I think that deserves, like, more care than it gets. Yeah. Like, I think Ian is sometimes just treated as, like, an extra. He's, like, the fun cousin who happens to be here. Like, a hop-on. I think it's hard for him compared to, like, 
if I'm comparing him to a Fergus because it's harder for me to envision his like relationship with Jamie like growing up mm-hmm. because he was there for a lot of time, but that was off screen time. Yeah. So to me, he's just like this person who was introduced in season three because we had to go find him on a ship. So right. he's not like truly a core part of the family to me because I'm like, well, he just showed up one day because that's when Claire showed up. So like we're all in that point of view. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, they probably had like 20 years of a Right. Well, when really it should be like Jamie was in and out of of Ian's life when he was young. But then when he was able to like come of age and leave the house, he went on misadventures with Jamie and that formed his early yeah. adulthood. And then in a different part of his early adulthood, he was away from Jamie living his whole different life with the Mohawk. And now he's back trying to find out who he is. My feeling is, sorry, I'm totally derailing you that Ian and Fergus should appear closer because they truly grew up together because Fergus went to go live with him Right at Culloden time. Wow, that's true. And I have literally never thought about that. Because they don't spend any time on it. You're right. (laughs) You're right. But that would be such an interesting connection. Like, they're basically siblings and they never talk about it. And they don't in the books at all. Like, Fergus and Ian in the books are are treated as, like... (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's, like, blowing my mind right now. And now I'm angry. I know. Because <laughs> now I want that. Right. Who wouldn't want that? These, they make such a big fucking to-do about Brianna and Ian being fucking cousins, and their connection mm-hmm. is like Facebook friends, basically. They try and, like, force Ian and Roger to become best friends about a hundred times. And Ian and Fergus are right there. I know. Please go shout about this in your books channel later, I, because yeah. <laughs> it needs to be discussed. Yeah. I like I'm gonna have to sit with that one and then I'm gonna have to scream about it. <laughs> I feel cheated right now. I know. Of like a meaningful Sorry. male connection. I totally ruined your 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 point, but you were talking about how you didn't uh, uh, like it in the books either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not e- it's not even about like it's not that I outright didn't like it. Like I don't Ian's journey is so complicated. <laughs> and I like parts of it. And I, like, don't need parts of it, but I think that's more about how Diana Gabaldon goes about it as opposed to, like, any issues with the narrative itself. Because I think Ian's super interesting, and I want to spend, like, all the time with Ian. Part of my problem with the Ian episode is that it felt... It was, like, a terrible use of flashback. Yeah. Very poor use of flashback. And it felt shoehorned. Yep. And I felt like the wrong pieces of knowledge were dropped on the wrong people at the wrong time. Like, it wasn't, like, Mm -hmm. a good distribution of Ian's backstory. Yep. And I also think the way they did it, they just kind of dumped the whole backstory on the viewer, and it's not as easy to compartmentalize what each, what Brianna knows versus what Jamie knows versus what Claire knows. And because Ian is a secretive person, like, it matters what each person knows and then is able to, like, put together Mm. about his life. Also, I, like, learned later that at least some of the stuff that they put in is stuff that they had filmed previously and then just, like, decided to to use now. 
Mm-hmm. Which, like, they were up against it in terms of production, and they had it on the cutting room floor, so, like, whatever. Use what you gotta use. But to me, it's just proof that it, it didn't belong. It was just convenient. It felt like it was a very special episode about yeah. Ian. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't feel connected to anything else. No. And there's, like, good Ian stuff to come if we get there. So I wish that they had, like, woven it in more effectively. Yeah, it was... It did feel disjointed. It did feel like season four. Yes, it did. <laughs> Especially coming right off the Fergus stuff, where it was just mm-hmm. like, here's some stuff about Fergus. Also, Ian's here. You want to hear about him? Everyone's having a bad time. Anyway, back to Claire. Like, Shirley couldn't they have integrated Marsley's, like, mm-hmm. pregnancy drama with Ian having feelings about everything that he's experienced mm-hmm. in his own life. Yes. I just made it better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that said, there were, like, a couple of really good scenes in that episode that I thought were, like, kind of lovely. Like, mm-hmm. moments that I thought were good. And, like, I think John Bell is good, and I think Sam Hewen has done good stuff within yeah, that. it's I not just, a reflection on them. No, it's just sometimes the writing and editing and production is clunky. Yeah. And I was mad about it, because I think Ian deserves better. I think Fergus and Ian yeah. deserve better. <laughs> Justice for Fergus and Ian. Justice for Fergus and Ian. Ian is also, like, I always say that Fergus and Marsley are, to me, what Brianna and Roger are supposed to be, and Ian, like, falls into a similar camp. Yeah. Is that all your hates? Yeah. Good for us. Yeah. Not that many hates. We loved more things than we hated, which... We did. When was the last time that was true? (laughs) It's unprecedented. Unprecedented. Last time that was true was the pilot palooza that we recorded. (laughs) one. (laughs) There were honestly moments in this season where it did feel like going back to that moment of discovering Outlander for the first time. That's how I felt the entire finale episode. I was just like, give me some popcorn. I'm loving it. It reminded me a little bit of the first time I watched Dragonfly and Amber. Speaking of season finales, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where like... Going back and re-watching that, I don't have quite the same level of enthusiasm as I did the first time. But the yeah. first time I watched that, I felt like I was watching, like, groundbreaking television. <laughs> it, like, really hit me somewhere somewhere where I live. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it just felt nice to have that feeling again. I know. It's been so long. <laughs> Literally so long. So long. All right. What do you love to hate? Brianna's wig. Oh my god. <laughs> Brianna's whole hair situation is a a, a situation. So bad. Like her eyebrows are dark brown and her hair is red. Literally was nobody worried about her eyebrows the entire season? Like she has gorgeous eyebrows, but like yeah, no. No, no one was worried. And they've had her they have a couple wigs for her and there's like one in particular they were sitting on the porch in some scene and and it was so ill-fitted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, where is your hairline? Like, what is happening? It, like, you can literally, like, see the bump on the lace front. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Like, you can tell that's not her skin. It, it's not a good situation. Doesn't It just doesn't sit naturally on her head. And I don't know if it's because she has so much hair underneath it. It could They're be. Like trying to. I saw somebody make the joke that, like, every season somebody has to, like, draw the short straw on wigs. And it was Brianna's season. You know what? I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. If anyone's going to have a shitty wig, at least it can be a shitty character. Sam had his bad wig. He had a bad wig he- season. He had, like, several years of bad wigs. Yeah. Like. And this year, they gave him a better wig. Yeah, But I the wig budget had to take a hit somewhere else. So That's fine. It can be her Felicity Merriman hair. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what I love to hate. I love to hate the windows. I don't have anything mm-hmm. deep to say there. There's just so many goddamn windows on this <laughs> house. And and multiple times in the season, they made jokes about all the windows, which was really gratifying. Yeah. But also, like, the <laughs> what the fuck were those the, cat, the set designer doing when they designed the big house? <laughs> Literally, in the books, it wasn't called the big house because it was so fucking grand. It was just bigger than the house they had previously. Yeah. And then they shoot out all those goddamn windows. And it's like the- I do love that. <laughs> the fuck is happening with all of these fucking windows? Um, yeah. And then, like, so many of those windows are, like, etched and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was complaining mm-hmm. about the windows on in, in a group chat, and someone was like, well, but all of these windows would have been cheaper than single panes of glass. And I'm like, I get that. That's fine. My problem yeah. is, like, why are they all, like, artisan windows? <laughs> <laughs> why are they, like, hand-etched and designed? Right. Like, right. <laughs> Why aren't they just single panes of glass? The Frasers are extra. The Frasers are so goddamn extra. Mm-hmm. Constantly complaining about money for salt and sugar and flour. But I got all these goddamn windows. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, I have another Brianna one, which is... If you're from the state of Massachusetts, <laughs> you don't say Concord. Concord. <laughs> Concord. At the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Concord. That's my whole gripe. <laughs> you and I both screamed, and then I flipped over to a group chat to scream about it, and there was, like, one other person with New England ties who screamed before me, and I was like, thank yep. God. Thank God. It's not Concord, like, just ask folks. one person. Is there not one person on that staff who can be like, um... That's not how they pronounce that. Matthew B. Roberts is so proud of himself for all the time he spent in North Carolina looking at the mountains so that he could mm-hmm. make sure that the mountains in Scotland looked the same. And it never occurred to anybody to go on a single fact-finding mission to Massachusetts or New Hampshire. No. Like. <laughs> no. She just sounds like a British person trying to have an American accent and also saying Concord. Although we remember that when they did the Boston-based episodes in season three, that they showed the common and it involved (laughs) rolling hills. Yeah. I got news for you, Matthew B. Roberts. Boston was built on a trash heap. (laughs) Literal landfill by their own description. (laughs) There ain't no rolling hills. Nope. I, I mean, there is exactly one hill. One hill, and you know about it because it's the one. 
And fuck that hill. Fuck also. that hill. That is the worst <laughs> hill I've ever been on in my entire life. All the squirrels are high. Hill. Yeah. Anyway. 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 I just they could have sent a single person to New England is is all I'm saying. Yeah. Wouldn't have taken them long. No. The other thing I love to hate, I've already talked about, and it's in line with the windows, but it's the big house. <laughs> I just, they made so many choices with the big house. I love it. And I, I'm, i like, against every single one of them, and also I just fucking love it so much. Yeah. Yep. It's that, like, aspirational part of television where, like, you know, the apartment in Friends is not an apartment anyone in New York City could have afforded in the right. 90s. Right. But that's what people want to look at on television, and that's how I feel like the big houses. They've really, like, walked the line between, like, this is a plantation and yep. this is a house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, not at all the vibe in the book. Yeah. In the book, it's much more like, this is a commune and this is right. a house. Right. But <laughs> Which is also a vibe. A real vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I love to hate people being upset about cliffhangers at the end of the season. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of discourse about the season finale, which I purely enjoyed from the bottom of my heart. So much. Because, like, have you seen a show? Have you seen a narrative that has a guaranteed, like, next installment? It's okay to have a cliffhanger. And people are like, but we all know they're not going to be killed. And it's like, okay. But that's like not even the point. It's still interesting to put people into different situations and see how they react. That's what we're watching. (laughs) Is it not? (laughs) Because there's so many other outcomes besides just like dying. It's not just life or death. It's it's like you said, how do you react? What next? What do we... What are we doing? Right. Like, I don't need to be tied up in a bow every season. No, not even close. And also, I found it extra gratifying because I was certain I knew exactly where the season was ending. I, like, a thousand percent knew, like, almost to the final shot, what it was going to be. And they haven't even come close to touching. Hmm. Not even, like, we haven't even, like, gotten the vaguest hint of where Mm. I thought we were going. Mm. And now I'm like, well, shit, how, like, trying to plot out season seven, if season six didn't end the way I expected. Yeah. Like, I'm on a cliffhanger now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a lot of book readers who are like... It's like a mid-season finale. Yeah. It's like, okay. Which, like, it Who is. Who cares? A, it, We're in it, season six. Who cares? It was a little bit, but also, like, it was structurally a mid-season finale because they did fewer episodes. Right. But, like, just because it's an adaptation doesn't mean every season has to right. be a book. Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> it's not fundamentally flawed as a narrative because it ended where it ended. Like, Correct. <laughs> correct if you didn't know where it was going you would have been like okay right and it was a more interesting ending than we've gotten in the last two season finales Mm-hmm. i literally have blacked out season four i don't even know what happened in season four. i feel like it ended with them finding the bridge 
somehow. Oh, yeah, they stood on their, like, mountaintop. And yeah. They looked, that was at know. least in the final episode. I don't know if that was, like, the end of the episode. I don't know. It was in there somewhere. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the seasons didn't matter. No. <laughs> anyway, justice for cliffhangers. <laughs> justice for cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah, I loved this finale. Yeah. I was stoked about it. Me too. My last love to hate is probably controversial. Ooh. And, like, I've already talked about it a tiny bit, but it was the sex. Mm. So I meant to say this when we were talking about the things we loved, but during the sexy shootout in the finale, yeah, they're, so they're given, like, overnight before they have to, like, go yep. to prison or whatever. And I was like, you guys need to bone. Mm -hmm. And they kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And there was this one scene, I can't remember all the details now, but this one scene where I was like, ooh, are we leading up to a bone? And then it like cut to a completely different storyline. And I was like, oh my God, they're not going to bone. <laughs> it's not going to happen. They're not going to have like sad last time <laughs> that was sex. The floor time scene. <laughs> Yes! And I know this because literally what they did is what my dog does every single <laughs> And we call it floor time. Floor time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know that move. It's not sexy, to be clear. <laughs> Unless you just find anxiety, like, particularly That's sexy. what it is. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> um, but then they cut to them having sex and I was like yes mm -hmm. it was so triumphant even though like that scene isn't like triumphant I was like I had like such a rush of emotions because I was like yes this is the payoff like we earned this they earned, earned this it. like good yeah. for them this needed to happen mm -hmm. but then that said like I thought all of the sex scenes, not all, I thought the Jamie and Claire sex scenes were, like, really beautifully shot and, like, well choreographed, but, like, they didn't mm -hmm. necessarily always do it for me. <laughs> like, I mean, fair. I, it was, it wasn't, like, none of them had that sort of, like, hot and bothered chemistry from, like, early Jamie and Claire times. Yeah. Which I think some people attribute to being, like long-term marriage vibes as opposed to, like, young love mm -hmm. vibes. Or, like, I, there's, like, a lot of different things that people feel about that. Honestly, for me, my interpretation of it was that, like, because there was an intimacy coordinator, it's just, like, treated with a little bit more reverence and respect. Which That's comes, how I felt. Which comes through as, like, beautiful and intimate art. But yeah. not necessarily hot. <laughs> Which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. I noticed there was, like, a lot more, like, tasteful placement of, like, arms covering exactly. boobs. And you're like, okay, so. Which is, like, great. <laughs> that's fine. That's good. I, like, in that scene in particular, there were some, like, really beautiful, just in terms of, like, art and aesthetic shots of, like, interlocked hips Mm -hmm. Like some really nice aesthetic curves. <laughs> Would they call that on the drunk? <laughs> the, the sex hinge or something? 
just some like really nice looking mm-hmm. shots. I thought it was lovely. Yeah. But it felt more like looking at like a nice painting. Yeah. Than, like watching a sex scene there. <laughs> well, that's what Kirsty was in it for. I, don't, I mean, I'm not complaining. It's like a this is why I love to hate it because it was like I think it was like fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like an attitude adjustment. And then also, <laughs> are we gonna talk about the one that I can't? Do yes, with? there's more. <laughs> so, what what I think we can touch on briefly is that I just was like very uncomfortable with the um, with the Ian sex scene. No, oh, it wasn't one that I think we were going. For. No, okay. we're gonna get there. This is the stop on the road. Okay, <laughs> that to me was like almost too intimate. It was like so lovingly shot and like so vulnerable and thoughtful and also like i just don't have a relationship with ian as a character where i can watch him have sex yeah (laughs) like not everyone needs their turn no not everyone needs a turn i kind of felt that way about the marsley and fergus situation i was like this is too personal actually yeah yeah i think like that they could have played just with, like, the funny moment where we all learned that Fergus knows how to induce labor. Yeah. And then I think we could we could have left yeah, some things to the, the imagination. Like, yeah. <laughs> they can have their time. Yeah. Um, which, which is, I just, like, I don't know how watching Ian have sex, like, really helped me understand the connection between those, them as, like, a couple him and his wife and a lot of people loved that scene and so like i i'm like i know there's a lot of discourse right now about like unnecessary sex and so i don't want to like sound like a puritan about it i i'm not saying that all sex has to be plot driven i just like i didn't want that one that one was like hard for me it didn't yeah i don't think it felt like it conveyed much by way of like emotional development yeah or narrative and it was like the result was her being pregnant. And it's like, okay, you could have just, you know, we can put the pieces together. Right. Like, <laughs> right. like I think we, we generally in this audience know how babies are made. Right. And like generally could also probably figure out from the rest of the story that like Ian loved his wife. Yeah. Like yeah. we could have gotten there. Right. Um, and then where you thought I was going with this is, of course, <laughs> is the tilt the world sex. <laughs> I had to have it explained to me that Roger was driving the car over Brianna. I thought the camera was going back and forth between Brianna and Roger in one room of the tent and Jemmy in the other room with the car on pillows. I thought Jemmy was driving the car on pillows. And Roger was like stroking Brianna's body. And Roger's like, like, vroom, vroom. Cutting between the two. I was like, I was so like horrified. And someone was like, well, in fairness, if like no one had sex in the same room as their kid, the human species wouldn't have like made it this far. And I was like, okay, but does the camera have to like lovingly linger on the small child playing with his car? And they were like, um, that's Roger. And I was like, I don't know, I think that's worse somehow. The whole thing was just not. <laughs> that was not. 
an artistic journey that I joined the production team on. I didn't connect with the production team on that version of storytelling. I felt like they got way too into the tent of it all. Yeah. And so they were they were just doing all these camera angles where I was like, am I motion sick right now? Like, what's happening? I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I also feel like they were, like, getting really into, like, the pregnant lady of it all. Like, I, there was so much chatter about, like, her saying that because she was pregnant, she didn't want to do missionary or whatever. And it's like, okay, but again, do we need... The tilt-a-whirl effect, like. <laughs> well, also, like, there was no evidence that she was ever pregnant. <laughs> I got into, like, multiple arguments about this because I kept being like, she doesn't even have a bump. She's not even showing. And everyone was like, uh, yes, she is. And I was like, okay, well, that is, like, the skinniest baby bump I've ever seen. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> to me, it felt like they got lazy and were like, we're just not going to put a prosthetic on and it'll be fine. And then... It didn't work. That's how I felt. I feel like they gave her a shift that was like two sizes too big, and they were like, "Just arch your back a lot, and we'll right, pretend like you're make pregnant." It blow a little bit. <laughs> Someone was like, "Well, I think with the dress at the time, it's harder to see the bump." And I was like, "They just didn't put one on her." No, not in that scene. I they did in other scenes, or they had something going on, but the, not that. Yeah, not at all. Not that. I hated that scene. They it was so clumsy, and it went mm-hmm. on for so long yeah i also have just like never liked brianna and roger as a couple so i definitely don't want to watch them have sex i didn't need it i also feel like to your point about how not everybody needs a turn i feel like the intent with brianna and roger was to like pass the torch at some point so the primary couple is jamie and claire and then at some point it's going to be roger and brianna i don't Mm. know if this is true but this is my feeling and so i feel like they're like they have sex, too. And I just don't... I don't need it. Yeah. I don't need it, either. I don't need it. It's not for me. Yeah. What else? Um, I, I have when we learned that whatever brown is still left is Maggie Smith's son, because you can't unsee it once you I, see it. And people so kept talking funny. about how they couldn't unsee it, and I was like, I don't see it at all. And then I saw a specific side-by-side where I was like, fuck. <laughs> it's, it's, like, alarming. <laughs> so alarming. Alarming. And hilarious. Yes. Um, I have one more, which... I guess is similar to one that we talked about already, but I love to hate the like drama about if the show's ending or not. About what? But if the show's ending or not. Oh my god, yes. I was actually thinking earlier when we were talking about Sam and Kat and their collective bargaining that we were supposed to have heard by now based on all of the rumors. Like the rumors keep circulating and being like in the next week or two, in the next week or two. And we still don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Diana Gabaldon herself, like, hinted that we would know the show's Mm. future by now. And the fact that, like, there's so many rumors about knowing and it's still, like, somewhat open-ended is baffling to me. Yeah, I'm curious. Personally, I think in terms of story that they have left to tell, season eight is the correct place to end it. But mm-hmm. in terms of actors and real life circumstances, season seven is the right place to end it. 
I had heard that it was going to take like a full year to finish this season. Yeah. Which is too too long. Well, because they're doing what, like 16 episodes? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's lot. Just, it's just like a lot of time to ask. Well, that, I mean, that's why I think season, like planning on a season eight seems insane because like, yeah. how are you going to keep these people on the hook for another two to three years? Right. I have a conspiracy theory of how they would get to season eight and potentially even season nine. Yeah. But we're not going to go there yet. Not like spoilers, but like hmm. maybe. Gotcha. Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe spoilers. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if there's like what they're negotiating, but mm-hmm. I'm very curious. And I feel like I have no real stake in the game because. It seems like there's been a lot of disgruntled mm-hmm. feelings, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be sad for it to end. I think like I'd be sad to see like the Jamie and Claire mm-hmm. chemistry go away and like that whole part of it because that's like the biggest draw for most of us probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would be happy to see whatever anyone in the show wants to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And if people don't want to do stuff, they're gonna make shit that comes out bad. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, I think you and I have talked about this before, too, that, like, as much as it's wonderful to spend time with this show, it's kind of a chore also. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of getting past season seven and potentially watching a season eight <laughs> there there being an alternate universe where there's a season nine, which seems unthinkable to me at this point, but like yeah, like that's overwhelming to me also. <laughs> and so I'm not saying that I want the show to end, but also if there were an an end point in mind, I don't yeah. think that would be wrong for the narrative. No, clearly they work well with some parameters. Yes. Everybody does better with boundaries. There's they're on season seven now, right? Like, yeah. If you haven't won the awards you were gonna win, you won't win them by now on yep. a show that's in season seven. So, like, there's so much talent on this show. Like, they're making good content, like mm-hmm. from every direction for the most part. Like, let these people go do things that are cool and new. Yeah. Well, because like you said, like eventually that spark is gonna die. Yeah. They like they're not going to have that passion to give to this forever, and no. if you just keep cranking it out for the sake of it, it's going to lose whatever magic is still left. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think like the the problem with the story being so far reaching is that there's like stopping points along the way, yeah. and we are approaching a good stopping point. Mm-hmm. whether they get to it in season seven or if there is a season eight, I think, like, the same stopping point could be achieved. Yeah. But I think if if it drags much beyond that and we start getting into, like, book eight, book nine, then we have to hold out for book ten, like, and, and then, like, we lose the plot, literally. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be a Game of Thrones. No, no. And, like, right now they are, like, within, like, the correct distance to stop before they hit that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Anything else? Any other comments? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered everything. 
I'm, like, sad that the season is over just because I did like spending time with it, but I felt like it was such a good season. Like, I don't yeah. want to rewatch season four. I don't want to rewatch most of season five. I won't mind revisiting season six. I've rewatched episodes six and eight mm-hmm. from this season, and they were both fine on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. You know what we didn't say that I think needs to be said? What? We love to hate voiceover. We do love to hate voiceover. We love to hate the voiceover. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we don't need it. There were so many times when they pulled out the voiceover where I was like, all right, the first sentence or two, I'll give you. But then, like, Claire would just keep going. Keep talking. And I was yeah. like, okay, wow, we're doing this, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, there's um, the plague episode. She goes on for, like, five minutes and i was like you guys really couldn't think of any other editing tools no this was all we had that's what we had it's what we had i know you were up against it and all but really (laughs) (laughs) yeah it feels like a crutch and it like takes you out of it i think every time that they deploy it especially because we go such long periods without it like it was a tool that was used a lot in season one so it made sense Mm -hmm. it was used occasionally in season two and then it's like really faded out of use except it like comes back conveniently here and there yeah and like i think a couple of times in season six it was like okay we're gonna go back to like the season one usage of it and then they just like pushed it too far and it was like yeah come on yeah that that was the last thing i just we i felt like that (laughs) needed to be said (laughs) Fortunately, the next thing we have to look forward to in the Outlander universe is the Celine Dion movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, February? I'm thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. I was a full year out from my February prediction. (laughs) (laughs) We have been waiting for this movie for so goddamn long. Like, will I go see it opening day? Yes. Do you know how many fucking notifications we've had to sit through. Oh my god, in about the Google Priyanka. Ch- <laughs> I know so much more about Priyanka <laughs> Chopra's Instagram presence than I've ever needed to know. Because Google feels yeah. the need to report to me on it. I don't care what <laughs> she wore to anything ever, frankly. Certainly not to lunch, which Google has told me about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not to red carpet events. To any other press event. I don't care what she's ever had to say about motherhood, which Google feels the need to tell me about every single day. <laughs> Google told us today that Nick Jonas sings to his child. Good job, Nick. You've done the basic thing that all human beings have done to children for the entirety of human history. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I will be thrilled when that film comes out for us, and I will be thrilled to clear those buzzwords out of the Google Alerts channel. I haven't even switched them to the proper proper movie name now because it's just, we're too far down. It's true. We're in too deep now. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Anyway, we liked Outlander. We were so (laughs) happy about Outlander. Yeah. I don't care how unpopular our opinions were. We were happy to be here. We were happy to be here. If you 
Can to... I just say real quick that it was a thrill for me that you enjoyed the season because I was worried and I wanted you to enjoy the season so much. Oh. <laughs> anyway. I'm glad I lived up to your hopes and dreams. Yeah. It was fun. It took me a minute to get on board, but then I got on board. Fergus got me on board. I feel like that is the correct reaction to, like, late-stage Outlander. I think you <laughs> have officially, like, crossed the bridge that it took me, like, a book and a half to get over. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you're here now for this stage of the journey. I'm, I'm here now. Yeah. I'm here now. Well, be- it helps when the quality of the content is better. Yep. Just saying. Yep. Book four. I couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't do it. Book five really fucking lost me. And I've had a lot of conversations with people about bits of book five, but there's easily 200 pages at the beginning where I was just like, what the fuck are we doing? I can't. So anyway, eventually we got there and we're all here now. And we're all here now, an hour and 45 minutes later. (laughs) Which is also what it's like reading Outlander. Yeah. If you would like to tell us about what you loved and hated and loved to hate about season six of Outlander or this auditory experience that you just (laughs) went on, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or you can tweet to us at HateWatchWithUs or you can send us an email to HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com or you can go to HateWatchWithUs.com and find some way to contact us there. (laughs) And if you want to listen to some podcasts that don't talk about Outlander for two hours but do fill your ear holes with other entertainment related information you can find our friends over at the thought bubble audio network which is a network of podcasts which we are a member of and you can find them at thought bubble fm on twitter thoughtbubbleaudio.com and you can send them emails at thoughtbubbleaudio@gmail.com. they also have a patreon if you want to support the infrastructure that keeps our show running <laughs> and you can do that by searching thought bubble audio on patreon because i refuse to learn how patreon links work yeah <laughs> We've been at this for how many years? Yeah, no. I'm like 95% sure it's just like patreon.com slash audio, but who gives a fuck? You can type audio into a search bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, We'll be back at some point. I don't know when. We have more content planned. Yeah, but we've got another show to make, so. That's true. We'll pop up at some point during the summer. We're still alive. We're still here. We'll make more content. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.